Hi, friends. My name is Eric Barnett, and I'm a singer-songwriter from Charleston, South Carolina, and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about their music, their influences, and their story. This week's guest is Cale Jackson. Cale is a fantastic songwriter, guitarist, leader of the band Cale Jackson and the Third Eye Paradigm, and also the host of the Headbangers Rodeo podcast. Be sure you stick around after my interview with Cale. I have some very exciting news about the Edisto Blackwater Boogie Music Festival this year, put on by Dan Riley, and also having a lot of previous guests of this podcast in the lineup. But for now, enjoy my interview with Cale Jackson. Hey, Cale, thanks for stopping by today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I remember, uh, might have been your first, one of your first times into town. I, I saw you at Tommy Condon's open mic, Rodney Smith. Yeah, might have very well been the first time I played in Charleston, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I remember you had that, like, that, like, blue-green Gretsch. Mm-hmm. And I was so jealous because I wanted like that exact guitar. And because somebody showed up in town and had it, I couldn't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a unique guitar. I feel like not everyone can have it. Right, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it. everybody can have a Sunburst Fender Strat or like a sure. Les Paul. It's fine if everybody in town has that. But that's such a specific guitar. You got dibs on it, and I was kind of upset with you, but I, I'm I'm over it, you know. I'm glad you're over it. <laughs> we can we can be friends now. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I I was under the impression I think you'd had you come here from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Is that where you kind of previously lived right before Charleston? No. So okay. that's where I spent most of my life. Okay. Um, I came from a military family, so moved around a lot, but Fayetteville is where I spent most of my time. Where I came from right before here was Orlando. Mm. And I went to school out there. I went to Full Sail. And awesome, man. What, what'd you go for there? Uh, music business. Music business. You're yeah. probably way better at music business than me. I'm terrible <laughs> at that. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, originally Dallas, Texas. Um, so once again, kind of a weird answer for okay. that. Is, Military. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so my both my parents and all of my relatives and everything are all from Dallas. And so... That's kind of where I've felt the most like home, but I've never even actually technically lived there. Mm. It's just kind of, that's where my home base is because of my family. And yeah. I just got back from there recently, actually, and I go there all the time, so. I love Dallas, man. Yeah. Dallas, and I'm I'm big into West Texas. Like, it's fun, yeah. Yeah, I'm lo- I love West Texas and Southwest Texas, big band and stuff like that, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Andrea and I just drove out there in March, and it was her first time West and I told her, like, once we pass Houston, it's it's like a different country. It really is. You know, everything yeah. opens up, and it's it's just so pretty out there, man. Yeah, I've ever seen some of your pictures from that on social media. I was yeah. pretty jealous of your trip. <laughs> I was like, man, that looks like fun. <laughs> yeah, man, it's we're uh, we're big fans of of West. We may end up there one day. For is, sure is the long term plan. But you lived a lot of places being in that military family and. Japan, mm-hmm. North Carolina, where, where all, what's the short 
what's the short list of places? Yeah, so it's actually not as long as a lot of military kids. Um, so I've known some people that have lived like 20 different places before they settled down, and I'm not jealous of that at all. <laughs> but um, so I was born in Washington State near okay. Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived there until I was two. Wish I would have lived a little longer, yeah. but you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I've gone back to visit. It was just kind of sad. <laughs> Th- things went on there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so technically, I'm from Washington. Yeah. <laughs> so I was born out there. Um, did a little time in Mississippi. Um, that's where I spent all my summers too. Mm-hmm. Mississippi and Texas and um, North Carolina mainly, and then three years in Okinawa, Japan. Oh, that's cool, man. What? Yeah. How old were you then? So that was all my middle school years, so oh. sixth through eighth grade. Interesting, man. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Uh, sure. I I think I'd listened. I think it was your podcast where you were talking about. Was it like thirteen? You heard uh, that Sex Pistols record? Yeah. And that's what did it? That's what did it, man. I mean, I'd always really loved music. I mean, I guess if you want to get technical about the first album I really loved was uh, Phil Collins' album that he did for the Tarzan movie. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> he did not have to go that hard for that movie. He but... really didn't. And he did it for us. You know? <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> but um, no, I, I'd always liked music. But for me, like music, because I was I tried piano and some other things. And reading music has just never been something that my brain works with. And, um, so I always saw music as like this kind of like far away thing. It's almost like running like a marathon when you've just started jogging, uh-huh. you know, it's like, I'll never do that. You know? Music can be a thing where it, there can be gatekeepers for sure. You know, especially people who are like, well, if you're not reading music or if you're not yeah. playing this instrument and they kind of look at guitar like uh, any, anybody can do that. And yeah. And in a sense, anybody can make noise on it. That's what's kind of cool about it. Um, for sure. And that should not be a gatekeeping thing. No. I mean, nothing is better than just plugging in an electric guitar and squealing away at it. You for know? sure. The first time you get like a real electric and an amplifier and your mm. parents are out of town and you're like, <laughs> let's see how loud this thing gets. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's really what that Sex Pistols album was for me was, um, that was the first album I heard where I was like, I could do this. Yeah. You know, like these are just some pissed off young British guys in a garage somewhere. Yeah. Like if they can do that, I can do that. So did you find some, uh, some angsty young teenagers that you could do that with? Took a long time. Um, I would say most of my life has been a frustrating amount of trying to find people to play with. (laughs) Yeah. I met some cool people along the way trying, but you know, it's, uh, it's very hard because I, I've always been kind of obsessive compulsive with any, you Mm. know, thing I get into. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I found music, that's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. And it was really hard to find guys that wanted to play for five hours straight <laughs> and wanted to get perfect something. So I was lucky enough to find like one guy that we could both just both sit and play guitar and bounce things off of. And we kind of sure. taught each other guitar. Like if he learned a new thing, he'd show me, I'd show him. And But it was always finding a, a drummer and a bass player and Tell me about it. (laughs) The drummers and the bass players, man, they're the hardest. Yeah, and and it's really hard to find a bass player that's just not a guitar player that lost the, you know, you lost the the deal. You know, oh for sure. Yeah, I've been that bass player a couple times. Yeah, me too. I mean, Paul McCartney was that bass player, and it ended up fine for him. Yeah, I think he's doing all right. He'll be okay (laughs) for sure. So playing in. uh, said kind of trouble finding folks in high school and then you when you went to Orlando to full sail you said it was still kind of hard yeah so I had a band I had a couple bands in high school Mm -hmm. Uh, my first band we didn't do anything and then the (laughs) second band I had 
was the band where I was finally like I was starting to play gigs and stuff. So we were doing like a bunch of weekend gigs. Like I was pretty much playing every weekend. Wow. From the time like whether it was houses or if it was real gigs, we had a, quite a few of those too. And it was in Fayetteville, so it's a pretty small music scene. So mm-hmm. we only had like two clubs you could play in. That was it. Now, was it like your own songs or was it cover songs? Or? Yeah, it was all originals at that wow. point. Um, I, we were big on not playing covers. I mean, if we did, it was like some old punk song. Or yeah, you something. throw one like fun one in. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, for sure. We we did a couple <laughs> like we t- we all ended every show with Territorial Pissings by Nirvana. Okay. That was our, our one cover we would do. <laughs> we would we would end a, we would end every show with a Nirvana song as well that I won't say the title of. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know the one. I think I know the one. <laughs> that's, that's a fun one. It is. And everybody wants to come up and sing with you. And you just let them. You have to. And uh, yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, in college, kind of the same thing. Got a few people. Yeah. So in college, luckily, so I went to a music school. Yeah. So you would think it would be easy to find people. You would think. But um, not so much. <laughs> um, it was, once again, it was, there was a lot of like, a lot of the musicians, and this is not a bad thing at all or anything negative to say about them, but a lot of them were, because of my generation, most people were more into like rap and mm. pop and that kind of world, which mm-hmm. I like a lot of that stuff. But I wanted to be in a loud rock and roll band. Yeah. And that's what I do best. Yeah. So, you know, that trying to find that was difficult. <laughs> that's going to be a thing that always comes back, man. I mean, everything else will go through phases and they'll polish it up and... But pretty soon, all the polished stuff will start to sound pretty samey, and then you'll just yeah. hear this loud, raw thing break through, and it's like, oh, man. Yeah, that's what we're missing. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's such a simple thing. And I mean, you know, it's the reason why I got into it is because anybody technically can do it, but it seems like nobody does it. I don't know why. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, as, as far as myself, I I don't know if anybody cares about the songs I wrote, but I just love that I can do it right. i mean you know the the fact that you can make a thing that didn't exist and and you're like oh this song is about something and yeah i mean i i do it for me even though i you know play around town and do it for money quite a bit but yeah if i didn't have any fun at all i wouldn't do it <laughs> no i mean this whole industry it's like if you're not having fun doing that's something i realized a while back like when yeah. i would kind of get frustrated by not having my perceived success you know yeah, and yeah. i've noticed that those are actually the times i'm least successful is yeah. when i'm trying so hard to be successful <laughs> sure you know? just when you're in that groove and you're like you said you're putting out stuff that you wrote and you yeah. feel and somebody if three people respond to that it's worth doing absolutely you man know? my some of the best times i've ever had are not when I'm playing to a hundred people's backs when we're in a restaurant or something. It's when you're playing and, or even if you're playing at a bar and nobody's paying attention except like a few people at the bar, just turn and look at just the right times. You're like, okay. Like I I reached somebody. Yeah. 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 I'm playing to that guy the rest of the night. I don't care about the rest of you, you know? (laughs) For sure. Yeah, definitely. What brought you to Charleston? So I got out of college and my parents moved to Charleston and I, Charleston was not on the map for me at mm. all. I, um, I was renting a room in a house with like five people in Orlando <laughs> and was not getting along with any of them. And, um, they had a can't play music pa- past nine o'clock rule. And I was like, I can't live here. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, I was looking around and looking around and then my parents were like, you're running out of money. Just come to Charleston. <laughs> so yeah. I came here and I found the music scene and, um, just kind of been here ever since. What do you think of the music scene here in Charleston? 
So I think overall, there's some very cool things about it. I won't say anything super negative about it, but as a honest criticism, I would say, and it's just a, I know that everyone here could do this and do better, is that I wish it was a little less gatekeepy at times. Yeah. I, I feel I feel a little bit of that. I feel a little bit of... Now, I, I came to Charleston with mostly songs I'd written right. and I was used to playing kind of as a solo acoustic musician. I, I didn't really have bands previous to moving here and I came from Ohio and there were um, a lot of places that would do lineups where it would be like three songwriters and everybody, mm-hmm. you'd play like an hour, you'd play like your own songs, maybe throw in one cover or something interesting just right. for yourself. Like you a know? songwriter in the round kind of deal? Or... It wasn't a lot of in the rounds. It'd just be like one person, then the next, and the oh, next. Okay. And so it was kind of like a showcase situation. Or, right. I mean, I never really had done a three-hour gig before. I never really done a cover gig before I moved here. I knew a handful of covers, mostly mm-hmm. Tom Waits songs that I liked. And coming here, I quickly learned like... That's not going to work. It's funny. It's the same thing happened to me. So I know, I know you're feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I do it. I mean, I, I play a couple, couple, two, three gigs a week and it's largely covers. Nothing I don't like though. That's where I, that's where I draw the line. I mean, no, it's no Tennessee whiskey for me and no country roads for me. (laughs) I kind of look at it from the perspective of. I, I feel like I got to put my, my time in, in front of people playing, Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, it's the best practice, you it know, is. if nothing else, you yeah. know, and it, I think there's something to that. Um, especially like, you know, you listen to a lot of artists that are kind of growing in their career and they get bigger. It's like, there's something in my brain anyways, where I can tell like, okay, this guy did what we did and played like a million gigs and that's yeah. why they're this good, you know? And then the pop artists that just kind of come and go, I'm like, oh, they didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, I got to tell you, man, I had, you know, we're musicians, we're always working the same nights. So yeah. it, unless we're seeing each other at open mic nights, we don't see each other that much. And right. I haven't been to open mic nights in a while. Me neither. And yeah. uh, during the pandemic, I saw you with the, I saw you on the the live stream at mm-hmm. the Performing Arts Center. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. It's very good. Oh, thank you. And it's a good get for a gig. I was a little jealous, but. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know how that happened, but hey, somehow man. it happened. It was good. That's a good get. <laughs> well, thanks. But, uh, and then. I saw your grilled cheese session yeah. and I was like, this dude practiced. <laughs> I mean, well, you've, you. you've always been a strong guitar player. You, it's been, it's been strong. Thank you. But th- something happened between that performing arts center gig and it was good. I remember at the time I was like, this is good. He's writing good songs these days. And then seeing that and I was like, oh man, he like, the he let the fuzz gods loose yeah. and that's that's what i dig on man like somebody can just like i'm gonna make this guitar make some nasty noise and you're just gonna take it yeah <laughs> yeah no that's all my influences are and i think it's kind of going back to what we were saying before is that like the three hour gig thing so i stopped doing that a long time ago mm-hmm. just for my own mental health really yeah and uh, <laughs> you know i just i felt like i was kind of losing myself in that too and i mm-hmm. was kind of like doing so for a while there, I wasn't working a day job and I was just doing that 24 seven. Oh, okay. This was before COVID. Yeah. And I convinced myself I was having a really good time. <laughs> and then um, COVID happened and then I stopped doing it. And 
music just stopped for so long. And so I was just back writing my own songs. I had no reason to do covers anymore because it was just me. Right. And I fell back in love with playing music and I realized why I was doing it in the first place, you know. And then once the pandemic, I had to get day work and stuff, obviously, because there was no other way to make money. Uh And uh, then I was like, you know, I'd almost rather just get back to writing just good rock and roll again. Yeah. Like this is, I had strayed away from that because I wanted to be successful instead uh-huh. of wanting, I was like writing pop songs and stuff. Cause yeah, you know, I can do that, but well, there was nothing wrong with those songs either, man. Right. Like, like we'll go through, I listened to, to all your releases oh, recently a few times and we'll go through that. And there was nothing wrong with those songs. I always, it always gave me sort of like a nineties alt feel. I've gotten that a lot, yeah. <laughs> that and that is not a put down in the least. I'm just like, man, I'm I'm pretty sure you how old are you? Twenty five. Twenty five. You weren't born yet then. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you th- you put him in with like better than Ezra and stuff like that, and you'd those songs would have killed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Uh but yeah, man. Then uh, you know, the Wondering Heart EP came out and mm-hmm. That's that's more like Americana ish. That's kind of moving away from the the nineties alt more. Yeah, that that singer songwriter feel. But then, yeah. man, I, tell me you have a record on the way that is the grilled cheese show sound. I do well. <laughs> so I've my sound has done a lot of evolving, but in a more natural sense. Like I feel like I'm becoming more of. Like my influences that I've had my whole life are starting to all come together. Okay. So this new song I have coming out this month, it's a song called Pocket Full of Bullets, which I will play on here. You guys will get to hear the acoustic version of it. Okay, yeah. Um, but it's all of that. So I grew up on country just as much as I did punk and mm-hmm. everything else. But I don't really like where country's at right now. Right. And so <laughs> I'd always said, I was like, what if you took that, outlaw Waylon style stuff Mm -hmm. and it it is punk rock in a sense you know it's the same attitude it's the same thing so I was like why can't these things go together and so that's what this new song really is is capturing and I got like a lap steel player on it and you know went through like tried to make it all everything's analog on it like that has been my new like that's what I want to put out into the world like you said that raw mixed with that western vibe that is such a part of me it's yeah. not an act you know it is who i am yeah why not throw those together you know awesome man well why don't you go ahead and play that if that's all right yeah we'll do let's hear it Well, 
I've been waiting ten years for the time to come Shooting out the barrel of a loaded gun to your heart Well, I don't know where to start A pocket full of bullets and the smoking too Gonna shoot the next man who looks at you Said funny What we do for money What we do for money You better kill your enemy You better kill your enemy You better kill your enemy Before someone shoots you first Before someone shoots you first Well, there ain't nothing worse You better count your blessings You better count your blessings you better count your blessings Before you watch them walk away Before you watch them walk away Start to root day Well I've been waiting ten years for the time to come Shooting out the barrel of a loaded gun to your heart Well I don't know where to start Pocket full of bullets and the smoking too Gonna shoot the next man who looks at you Said funny What we do for money What we do for money So that's already recorded and mixed, the whole deal? Yes. So that is going to be released August 27th, which August 27th. is also my 25th birthday. So Nice. You know, um, Where'd you record that? We did that here over on uh, James Island at Big Animal Recording. Okay. Um, yeah, it's the um, you know Bass from Shinedown. That's his studio. Mm-hmm. So um, for those who didn't know. But um, yeah, Eric Rickert is a guy around here. You may, I don't know if you've met him or not. But, I haven't, no. So he plays um drums with me live a lot mm-hmm. and he's actually the guy who produced the whole thing so nice um but yeah so we it i'm really it's probably the release that's coming out the most like proud of and i've put the most like blood sweat and tears because we just 
had all the time in the world to do it. And it was just, this is my send off <laughs> before I go to Nashville. For you sure. Know? Like I'm putting everything into it, you know? Yeah. So awesome, man. Yeah. It's well, it's good to have a, a thing like that. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many things I've worked on by the time I'm almost done with it. I'm just not as excited about it anymore as right. I was when I started. But yeah, to have something you're, you're jazzed about means you got a good thing on the way. Yeah. Like you said, you, you, you hear a song a million times and then you <laughs> go out and play it a million times. Yeah. By the time it comes out, you're like, man, I hate this. Song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot, I only made, I've only made one full length album and I can't listen to it yeah. because I've, I've played the songs a thousand times since then. I'm like, oh, I could have done it so much better. And it's one of those things. Always. Yeah. That's just, that's just the name. That's just how it is. You well, know? it's like, you know, we both have podcasts. It's like when you go back to edit your podcast, oh, listening to your own voice and like, all yeah. the breaths you took here and yep. you're like, oh, I could have done this better. I should have talked about this, you know? Yeah. So for sure. For sure. You briefly mentioned influences. Tell me who are your guitar playing influences? Well, some of them are pretty obvious. Um, yeah, I mean, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, Hendrix for sure is like the reason I play guitar the way I do. Yeah. Um, you know, but I love the blues, so I go back to a lot of those blues guys a lot. Um, I know Steve Ray Vaughan and stuff, but as far as getting into more like weird stuff that people probably don't, you know, reference as much is, I mean, I was a huge Jane's Addiction fan, so mm. like Dave Navarro had a huge influence uh -huh. on like just the fact of like because he was so. It's funny because you won't really hear it in my playing, but like he does things so differently than I would do. You know, he's all digital amps, like all like <laughs> yeah. Ibanez guitars, like all that. And so it's like, it's cool that he, it's like he proves you can get a good tone out of gear I would never buy myself, yeah. you yeah. know? Um, so that was a big influence. I mean, um, uh, Black Flag was huge for me, mm. um, especially like the whole, their whole kind of weird jazzy period. Like I love all that stuff. Maybe this is just me projecting a little because I love his playing so much, but I mm -hmm. hear some like Josh Homme, Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. All that. I mean, I love that. I love Caius. I love mm. um, a big stoner rock, stoner metal oh, yeah. guy for yeah. sure. It's a huge, huge influence for me. I mean, Sabbath, all that. I definitely get that, especially the kind of more psychedelic direction things are heading in, you know, yeah. where it's, it's got that fuzzy low end feel to it that mm. I'm, a, I'm just a huge fan of man yeah thanks i, I love yeah when any I, i've always been a big fan of just like throwing psychedelic stuff into anything yes it'll work somehow you know yes it's like psychedelic country why not psychedelic yeah. you know whatever you know it's, <laughs> it's always a cool flavor to add so let's talk about some of the singles you put out even okay. though they don't necessarily reflect the the current sound no yeah, the the first one, and I and I remember the very first time you came to town, you were playing Overthinking. Yeah, good tune. Uh, like I said, I I totally got that kind of '90s alt feel, and then Circles too. The yeah, but yeah, where did uh where'd you record those? I recorded those in Orlando. Um, both of those were done just like like a project thing. Yeah, but, yeah, well, so those weren't actually a project. I have another couple other ones that are on that a couple other singles that were projects but this was more like i just knew guys that had recording studios in their house and we just nice. did it that way you know so those cool. were a lot more diy for sure excellent and then uh 59 deville yeah so 59 deville was a cool one because that was a student project but okay. we did it in the full sales like biggest studio so it was like the nicest studio I've ever been in, which is a shame because I didn't know what I was doing as much then <laughs> as I do now. Yeah. But, um, you know, 
the best band of all time, Creed, recorded there. So there you go. You know, obviously, they know sound. That's not nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's You're not like, nothing. get that Tremonti tone on. <laughs> yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. But um, so that was cool. We did a music video at Full Sail. Also, I just tried to use every yeah. <laughs> thing I could there. You know, did people did people give you trouble for the car in the video? Um, no. So that was actually a pretty funny thing. That was the <laughs> owner of Full Sail. Uh huh. He has like a fleet of old cars. And I had just like briefly mentioned, I was like, I'd let get an old car. If not, I'm not paying for this video. So oh, you just yeah. give me whatever you want. You sure. Know? If it's a 90s Corolla, whatever. Yeah. You know? And then they're like, we had this 57 Bel Air. I was like, let's use it. <laughs> it's I my my stepdad actually had almost an identical 57 Bel Air to that. Oh, so really? when I saw like, I remember seeing like on Facebook, it was like a backstage thing from the video, behind the scenes kind of yeah, picture. Yeah. And I was like, that's not a 59. No, that's not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if we could get a 59 to be like, great. Like, that would be the best. But yeah, yeah, but no. Uh, Wandering Heart. Yeah. So that was, a lot of those songs were written during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because I didn't have a band to play with anymore. <laughs> Whenever I, it seems like everybody had an acoustic EP come out yeah. in 2020. <laughs> I, I know like Mike Friend did. Mm-hmm. I know, oh, there's there's just a handful. Of, Josh Jarman was in here and he had a lot of stuff come out that year. Yeah, so Josh Jarman's actually the one who produced Wondering Heart. Is he? Yeah, we did it in his bus. Nice. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. Sounds good, man. Oh, good songs. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Good songs. Uh, the two newest ones, Step Forward, mm-hmm. which uh, I like, It's it kind of takes a turn production-wise mm-hmm. because I love like the mellotronic sort of sounding strings and everything mm-hmm. doing that that's that's where the psychedelics started coming into the picture that's for sure yeah and i think so i worked with my good friend sean adkins who lives in fayetteville mm-hmm. and um he runs a record store called background records and he's one of my like mentors big collaborators of mine and um we did it i actually technically have a full-length album i recorded with him that has never been released and really I will eventually put it out. Just waiting for the right time because we did it, and then the pandemic happened. I was like, okay. "Bad time to put out an album." Sure, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, we we really went and just threw everything into all of those songs. So the production value definitely shot up a lot for that. Nice. Looking forward to hearing that one. Oh, thanks. Is that a is that just a Kale Jackson solo, or is that Kale Jackson band, or is that? Yeah, so all my releases are kind of just Kel Jackson yeah. and even the full band. So this these two new ones I'm coming out with, same thing. They're full band, like mm-hmm. rock songs. Um, so I, I have a lot of people get confused about that. And <laughs> I always have to explain it because, and I always say, I'm like, well, it's not David Bowie band. It's not. Yeah, that much is true. You know, Steve Ray Vaughan had double trouble, but. Yeah, most people yeah. just call it's him Steve. Steve. Yeah, so that's kind of what I always went after. It's like it's not John Mayer band. Yeah, like you know, like yeah, it's trio for a little bit. Nobody's but... like banded gypsies. Well, it's not the experience, so I'm not interested. <laughs> exactly. You know, I so... guess maybe some people said that, but <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> while I've been here, I've had Kale Jackson and the Third Eye Paradigm has yeah. been the band name. So um, that was something I came up with with that group of people. I'm sure when I go to Nashville, it'll be Kale Jackson, and it'll just rotate for every mm-hmm. tour or something you know do you find the different lineups is it all the co- sort of you do the same songs but this is the way this lineup kind of feels that kind of song or yeah so it, it's always been interesting because i've i've always had like the idea of what i want the song to be mm-hmm. and i do all the writing and stuff but 
it is interesting to have these different influences. I mean, I've always had, so Melissa Sladen, who plays mm -hmm. the keys, she's been a consistent member. And it's been interesting because even she's evolved so much as a keyboard player yeah. through the different lineups. And so it started off like she kind of had like almost like an 80s synth vibe going mm -hmm. on. And then we mm -hmm. slowly like got more into like that kind of Hammond B3 kind of setting. I was just like, she's listening to Deep Purple. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we did. I told her, I was like, listen to some Deep Purple. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what we're looking See for. See what John Lord's doing. And just uh -huh. if you can get 70% of that, we're, we'll be in good shape. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, I heard that a lot in the Performing Arts Center video and the Grilled Cheese one. Mm. Um, New Religion, that's sort of the newest one that came out. Yeah, so that one's interesting too because it does not sound like the other stuff that's coming out. Um, that one's been difficult to do live. Yeah. And it's just been, I think it's just because of constant lineup changes is sure. really what's difficult because it's a very like it sounds this way and if it sounds anything yeah. else than this it will not work <laughs> yes so we yeah. very very rarely played it live but i am i like that song it's kind of more in a very new wave inspired very yeah. like you can tell i listen to a lot of cure and Depeche uh -huh. mode and stuff in that but um yeah so that part of my songwriting is still there in a sense but now do you are you kind of in thinking in terms of are you going to try to lock down sort of a sound or it's just whatever whatever a song dictates that's what we're going to do so it's a little bit of both mm -hmm. um i would say so for these two newest songs i would say that that direction is probably what the album will be okay when and eventually when that comes sure. um so it's going to be a lot of like releasing singles which is what most people do nowadays yeah you know <laughs> um which is easier for me sure <laughs> definitely you know if um, you could just pay for a single every six months instead yeah. of paying for a full album that's great <laughs> right but um you know i mean i've always been a big fan of you know, I, I don't ever want to be pigeonholed into one thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of my favorite bands are like that. And even a lot of bands that there's bands that will do a crazy out there album that I don't even like, but I just respect <laughs> that they did it. Sure. You know, I mean, I always bring up U2 as that example. Like, yeah. I'm not even a huge U2 fan, but I've always respected how little they care about what their audience is <laughs> listening to. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, U2 also has the power to like force an album on your device, which literally, I'd like, yeah, I'd like that clout. <laughs> yeah. But, I think it's awesome. Like people yeah. hated them for it. I'm like, if I could do it, I would do it. Oh, too. it's nice work if you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just hilarious to me. I just finished reading a Neil Young book and he was talking about mm. kind of all those crazy albums he did in the 80s yeah are you you know about all that when oh he, yeah, yeah he was like trying to get out of a record contract so he was just like i'm gonna make the weirdest records mm -hmm. and i'll like go back and listen to him and i'm like he kind of had had a thing going there yeah for sure <laughs> yeah well it's like even though it, like you're a big tom waits fan i know yeah. and like with it it's like someone said never heard tom waits before and they go what does Tom Waits sound like? You'd be like, he sounds like Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's kind of the category I want to put myself in. Sure. It's like, what does Kale sound like? Well, Kale sounds like Kale. There's, that's yeah. just what it is. I mean, people ask me like, what do you sound like? And I'm like, I don't know, songwriters? Yeah. <laughs> Remember when people used to write songs and play them? It's about that. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, my music has been described. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about songwriting, man. For sure. Now, do you actually, do you, do you set a aside amount of time and you say, I'm going to sit down and write a song right now? So I, 
I have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably will be doing that a lot in Nashville because I think a lot of my work is going to be in the songwriting world. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of the many things I'm trying to put myself into because like writing those pop songs and stuff. I'm very good at writing pop choruses. I would love <laughs> to have someone else sing them yep, and not okay. me, you know? So for instances like that, yes. However, I don't always do that because there's just some days where the song doesn't come. Yeah. Now, I will. there's very, very rarely a day that goes by that I'm not at least sitting in front of my guitar for an hour at least. Wow. Um, now, last year, I went through an interesting experiment where I wrote forced myself to write a song every single day for a year. Wow. And I came up with a lot of terrible songs, but there's also some good songs that came out of it that may, may have not come out. You came out probably with more good songs per capita than you would have if you hadn't written the terrible ones. Yeah, you know, you, you know there's there's even that saying in Nashville that they say you gotta just get through a you know mountain of crap to find your one yeah. good song, you know, and that's just part of the process. That's a muscle I need to get better at building up. Like, I... I'll go until I've got, I'll go until I don't like it and then I'll quit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I do that too. (laughs) I mean, because you have your rare instances where just everything clicks and like my song, she only loves when she's drinking, for example, Mm -hmm. which I'm doing a release of that soon too. That's the other song that I did with pocket full of bullets, which Mm -hmm. is the full band version. But that is the, one of those songs that I wrote in like five minutes. Mm. It was about a real instance. Mm Mm-hmm. And it has probably been my most popular song. And it's a song that I I thought it was too stupid for anyone to actually like. Because I was like, there's nothing deep about this. There's nothing like, there's no second meaning. This is point A and point B. But somehow people latched onto it because so many people were like, I've been through that situation. I've dated a girl like that. I know what you're talking about, you know? So it's just weird like that. You never know. Some of the best songs come and catch you like that, though. When you're not looking for them. Yeah. Like you'll hear something or, or, or just be in the middle of doing something else. And you're like, I better stop and write this down or it will be gone. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's been times where I've been in traffic and I've pulled over to the side of the road and literally pulled out my voice memo Mm -hmm. app and sang into it because I didn't want to lose that. And I've had that situation where I've literally done that and I've got home and like, this is crap. Why did I think this was so good? (laughs) Yeah. I have so many piled up that I, I don't even... Sometimes I, I look at all the little scribbles I have mm-hmm. and all the all the little voice, you know, memos on the phone. And I'm like, I don't even want to go through them because I'm just like, oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be the only person in the room yet still somehow embarrassed. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know that feeling well. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Now, are you demo everything typically? Pull out the the memo app and do that? Yeah, um, for the most part. So that's what I usually will do. Um, And it can be anything from singing an entire chorus into there, Mm -hmm. or it can be like just me talking with like three words because they're just great words, or I'll just type it out in my notes app Mm -hmm. or whatever. But yeah, I try to, that's something, it was weird when I was like 14, I was reading Guitar World magazine one time and... um, Sean, the guitar player from White Zombie, who's that was a big influential band for me. Mm-hmm. He's they were like, What's your number one tip for guitar players? And he was like, Record everything you ever do. Mm-hmm. He's like, You never know when you're gonna write the satisfaction riff. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. You wouldn't want that to go away. And that just for right. some reason that always stuck with me for the rest of my life. So yeah. I was like, come up with a riff, 
pull out my phone and there's sometimes I'd really make myself because I'm like, <laughs> I just played this riff 10 times. I don't want to play it again, but right. I'm like, I have to. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> definitely. When you start into a song, when it starts to take shape, yeah. Um, do you ever think of that as in the terms of like a particular band you like or a musician you like, you're like, that's kind of a song kind of in that vein. And then do you ever follow that path? Sometimes I do. I try not to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, sometimes I can't help it. Like there's, there are some times where like I'll get on some kind of random musical obsession mm -hmm. where whatever it is, I hear some artists and I'm like, this is all I want to listen to for the next month. And it, it either naturally takes shape or I'm like, well, a lot of times what I'll do is I'm like, what is it about this band that I like? Yeah. And I'll try to dissect that and I'll try to take some of those chord progressions or take some of the rhythm or like the phrasing over the guitar and just try that out. And mm -hmm. then they'll turn into a song sometimes. You know, it's like I heard Rivers Cuomo from Weezer one time say that like literally how he writes songs is he just like takes all his favorite songs and just finds all the chord progressions yeah. and then makes them his own songs. He I does like the spreadsheet thing. Yeah, yeah. That seems a little. That's a little too much for me. But... Yeah, it seems a little manufactured. But yeah. but so does most of Weezer's He's... records, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> just. Just play Pinkerton for me over and over again. Oh yeah, Pinkerton, <laughs> Pinkerton, and Blue Album are both flawless. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then there's the rest of Weezer. But <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some good singles after that, but yeah. I have not heard a good album after Pinkerton. Oh man, like I, I even know people who are like, I like Weezer, and they like they're like like the Weezer songs they hear on the radio. Yeah, and I'm like, have you heard Pinkerton? They're like, <laughs> no. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, it's there's something about Pinkerton, especially when you hear it at the right age and the right time yeah. in your life. Like just the like, I remember just listening to it when I was like a weird guy in my like late teens who was not very successful with women and frustrated about it. Uh -huh. And that's the perfect album for that time in your life. Bro, I was that age when it was new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know. Yeah, I had it on cassette, man. <laughs> yeah. If I knew some like if I was mentoring some young man and he was yeah. like, I'm trying to play music, I'm not popular, I'm having this hard time, I'd be like, I got you. I got you, man. Put some You're not alone. <laughs> Listen to Pinkerton. <laughs> yeah, man. For sure. <laughs> when when you're starting to write songs too and they take shape, do you sort of hear an arrangement in your head? Sometimes. Like um, like, yeah, you hear the drums and the bass and you're like, yeah, I do. And so that's a challenging thing because sometimes I hear it exactly the way it should be. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, it should not be any other way. Right. And I try to tell whichever drummer is playing with me, mm -hmm. like, so go book a guitar, book a guitar. And then they're like, what does that mean? And, yeah, like, yeah. and I'm like, I just want to be able to like take this from my head and put it into yeah. your head and have you do it. But then, you know, sometimes the drummer will do it in their way. And I'm like, that's actually better than yeah. what I would have thought. You know, it's a hard dragon to chase, man. Mm -hmm. Especially I, I have a tendency to hear all of it. And yeah. it's because I grew up with like the little four track recorder. Mm -hmm. And I could sit there and do all these little overdubs and stuff. And I got used to just building it up. Right. You know, and even on my record, my hometown, man, there's nobody there. I recorded when I still lived in Ohio. So I recorded all the instruments on the record. And that helped from the standpoint of at least I couldn't get upset with anybody that they didn't. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. If it didn't sound the way I wanted it to sound, it was all my fault. 
Yeah, I tried that for a while. I took some drum lessons at one point and got pretty decent at drums. I'm terrible now, but like <laughs> I, to the point where I, all, my whole goal was never to be a drummer, even though I think I would love to be a drummer if mm -hmm. I had the capability and the space and the, you know, allowed to be noisy. The stamina, man. How do you play a full set of that? Yeah, like It's hard. <laughs> but that was my whole reasoning of learning it was just so that I, if I was talking to a drummer, I wouldn't sound like an idiot. Yeah. I could say like... <laughs> Oh no, like do this on the toms and like, oh, can you give me some more hi-hat over here? Yeah. Like, you know, maybe just just gently touch the crash or uh -huh. you know, something. Now I can say that and drummers are like, okay, he's not just some singer, egotistical singer right. who knows nothing about what I'm doing over right. here. You know? Is there a song, not not a song you've written, mm -hmm. but are there songs by, you know, bands or songwriters you like that you always go back to and you say, like, they really nailed it on that one as far as you consider it to be like the mountaintop of songwriting? That's, an, that's a good question. Um, so I have a couple. Um, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right by mm. Bob Dylan. It's mm -hmm. an absolutely perfect, it's the perfect breakup song because it covers every aspect of that in a way that it's like you want to be angry, but you know that you're not right to be angry. Mm -hmm. And it covers the loneliness, but also the kind of sense of relief you get from that situation. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, it's a little bit passive aggressive. It is, but it's just the right amount, <laughs> yes! you know, where it's like, I can say this and no one can say I'm a bad guy for saying it, but sure. like, I'm yep. also still letting you know how I feel. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So there's that. Um, I, I'm a big oldies fan. Like mm -hmm. I, I love the old stuff. So let It Be Me by the Everly Brothers is also one okay. of my all-time favorites. Like, I listen to that song, and it doesn't matter what mood I'm in, it fits it somehow. Yeah. There's just, I love the strings. I'm a big fan of string sections. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, I would have that on every song if possible in some way. Um, so I hear that, and it just takes me to a certain time. Um, I mean, there's a, a million countries. I mean, pretty much anything Towns Van Zandt has ever done is yeah. just perfect, and I'll never be able to write anything that good. <laughs> there's some songwriters like, like Towns Van Zant, like Tom Waits, like Tom Petty. Yeah. Where you just go like, man, how'd you do that? Yeah, and it's not, <laughs> it's like you hear it and you're like, this shouldn't be this hard because every, yeah. I can do all of this. If but you I just, break it down to w what it's made of, it's made of the easiest things. Yeah. But how did they figure out how to put that together in that way? Yeah, for the, yeah. The, just the arrangement is perfect. It's it is it's indescribable, really, and like just the way it, for me, what a song when a song is perfect to me is when it can take you to so many different places and so many different emotions all in one song. Yeah, like and that's what's really hard to do because as a songwriter, it's easy to you know just put out one emotion and carry that emotion through the whole song. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. like a great song <laughs> is a song where you feel this way in the verse mm -hmm. and then you feel this way in the chorus mm -hmm. and then you feel this way in the bridge and then you, and they're all different emotions, but somehow it's all congruent. It all goes yeah. together. Like that's what I think is a great song. Yeah. I've sometimes I, I'll listen to a song and it'll just dawn on me. Like I was listening to REM. Mm. and the one I love came on and it's like, it's three verses that are the same words. Yeah. Same words. But you don't, you don't go, oh, that's the same words as the last verse. You just take it. You're just like, mm -hmm. oh, it's a great song. And then even REM, like losing my religion. I was just about to bring that up. Dude, yeah. that song doesn't rhyme. It doesn't. 
How did he do that? How did he do that? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) that song, Losing My Religion, is, I would put it up as one of those, like, I will never write a song this good. Yeah. No one will ever write a song this good. (laughs) It's like, it doesn't even make sense that it's that good. Yeah. But it's every part of that song is perfect. The arrangement is perfect. There's some Mm -hmm. weird instrumentation that doesn't make any sense that's perfect in that song. And it's same thing because... That's what really also, there's two schools of thought on the songwriting because it's either some people would say a perfect song is something that you can hear and identify and you know what it's about. Mm -hmm. That song doesn't do that. And that's what I really like is that you can take that song in 10 different interpretations if you want. Oh, yeah. And that's what I love in a song is it's like, that's what this song means to me and me only. That might not even be what Michael Stipe was thinking, but this is what it means to me. That's one of those songs where I think everybody's heard it so much they sort of take it for granted mm-hmm. that they but when you actually just kind of do a mind wipe and you sit and you listen to it with fresh ears it's one of those songs that makes me want to keep going and quit at the same time yeah because <laughs> on one hand you're like i'll never do that and on the other hand it's like i want to be able to do yes that. you're like <laughs> yeah. oh shit music can do this yeah for you sure know? i mean I, bruce springsteen has that ability too yeah and i mean like one of his songs that it's one of the few songs i cover and i do a very different version of it is um what's the song called now i'm, I'm drawing a blank um <laughs> that uh oh i'm on fire yeah so i'm on fire is a very simple song lyrically mm-hmm. it just tells you a very simple story of yeah how he's he's in love with this girl and that's pretty much it yeah but it makes you feel in a certain way that I can't even explain. It's like that song, when I put some headphones on, I'm by myself, I can be in the best mood ever. But it just weirdly depresses me in a great way. <laughs> and it just makes me feel like I'm sitting outside of like a girl's house that I like, that she just dumped me and I'm standing in the rain and I'm just like walking home. And that's up. That's the song that plays, you know? Well, so- <laughs> you get you get a, a, a feel off of it that it's it's like an obsession. It is. It's like a, I mean... I wake up in a cold sweat, sheet soaking wet, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those where it's just like it's not just a love song. I want to hold hands. It's like no. <laughs> you have me, you know. It's yeah, and it's one of those. I mean, there's a million versions of that song, but I've never heard one that even touches the original. Oh, of course not. And I like some of the other versions. I mean, there's some really cool country versions of it, and there's mm-hmm. some you know all this, but it's just like man, there's something about that version that. The way that synth, like the synth is so dated, but it works so yeah. well. I don't know what it is, yep. but yeah. So, who do you consider to be your top five? Not top five. You can just throw out your favorites, your favorite songwriters. Favorite songwriters. Okay. I would definitely put Bruce Springsteen in that category. And it's funny because I'm not even a massive Bruce Springsteen fan. Like, I don't sit around and listen to his music a lot, right. but his choices and words mm-hmm. and the way he forms his songs are definitely up there for one of my favorite songwriters um let's see here um i'm trying to think because honestly a lot of my favorite artists didn't write their own songs yeah (laughs) you know like i love waylon jennings but he didn't write a lot of his songs no right so i can't put him in that category um let's see here i would say um man this is a tough one this is a (laughs) real tough one tom petty for sure Mm mm-hmm same thing. I don't really listen to a lot of Tom Petty in my free time, but I have. I've gone through many Tom Petty phases. Tom Petty's one of those where like, you don't have to find Tom Petty. Tom Petty will find you. And it's always at the right time. Yeah. The right yeah. song. And the thing about Tom Petty that just floors me is how 
typically if a song is meant to be, and I'm throwing up air quotes, a hit, mm-hmm. I won't like it. Right. Because I'll be like, oh, you're just writing a pop song and you're writing it to be a hit. For sure. Somehow Tom Petty still managed to write a great song and have it be catchy and have mm-hmm. it be radio friendly and and still do all those neat things. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know how he he's he blows my mind in that way that he could still be so commercial yet such a good songwriter. Yeah, I mean, even his songs that are like cliche to the point I can't listen to him anymore, yeah. like Free, <laughs> Free Fallen, <laughs> it is amazing as far as from a songwriting perspective. Yeah, I mean, it does make you feel certain ways, and it. I yeah. mean, even to this day, you know, I'm like, oh, I gotta change the station, but I'm like, oh, let me hear this first. Let me hear this first. Yeah, then I'll, then I'll change it. <laughs> how, how do you just make a chorus? I'm free. Free fallen. That's it. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. I try to pack so many words and say a thing, but then he'll just say, I'm free fallen. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, so, as far as another, I mean, they had a few different songwriters within the band, mm-hmm. but another from a lyrical standpoint, Grateful Dead, some of the lyrics, and I mean, especially in American Beauty, mm-hmm. I mean, have been pivotal in certain points in my life. Um, and that's saying that's coming from a person who really does not like the jam band scene much at oh, all. I hate it. Yeah, I do. They're like my only exception, really. Like, yeah. and it's because they wrote good songs. I want to hear the Grateful Dead's recorded albums. I don't want to see them live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I, Yeah, I think I could get into like seeing them live. You know, when Jerry was still in the band and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the culture is never really, especially because I come from a punk rock background. Sure. So I was bred to hate that stuff. Yeah, you know? for sure. <laughs> like, you know, like that. I that whole scene is ugh, to me. But I, <laughs> I do some of the, especially American Beauty. I mean, that's just a great folk album. I mean, oh yeah. There's yeah. just no two ways about it. I mean, yep. there's not a bad song on it. It's just a great album. So as far as some other ones, um, this is this is a really tough one. Um, I've always same thing. Another artist I don't listen to a lot, but I love his songwriting is uh, Nick Cave. Mm. Huge fan of his lyrics. Yeah. I mean, they're just so out there. They're yeah. so. I mean, they take you to uh, they take you down this crazy winding <laughs> road, and yeah. I don't know how we get there, but. Yeah, and I don't even really love his music personally. Like, I don't. I'm not a huge fan. But every time I read his lyrics, I'm like, "This is genius." Yeah, (laughs) it's just there's something about it. (laughs) So that's three now. Um, Let's see here. I mean, there's some obvious ones, but I wouldn't put them up there. I mean, obviously Bob Dylan, but I'm not even gonna put that on my list. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a given. That's a given. That's the free square and bingo. You got to start with Bob Dylan. Exactly. I mean, if you don't have him (laughs) on your list, that's just insane. Right. Um, But uh. Man, this is a tough one. I should have thought about this before. I, like, <laughs> it seems like an obvious question for this podcast. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I so Social Distortion is one of my favorite bands of mm-hmm. all time. And I would say Mike Ness is this criminally underrated songwriter um, in the sense that his uh, all of their, their best albums, especially like even their newer stuff, like Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes and stuff. I mean, those, they've like, aged with me as I've gotten older. Like they Mm -hmm. mean different things to me as I've progressed. Like before it was just like, cool, this is punk rock, hot rods and girls, you know, like that's (laughs) a lot. What's not to love about that? Yeah, exactly. But then as I got older, I was like, oh, this is a lot deeper than I thought, you know, and there's a lot of um, cool nuances in his songwriting that I really like. Um, 
I mean, as far as newer stuff, I mean, I really like uh, I really like Marcus King a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really good songwriter. Um, I think people look at his guitar playing more than his songwriting. Yeah. But he's just, especially like Goodbye Carolina. I mean, that's a perfect song. I mean, I listen to it all the time. It's one of those, you know, I if I'm about to make a big move or do something, I, that's a song that I'll play pretty frequently. As far as one more... Um, Shit, man. <laughs> I, you don't have to have five. I I have five written down here, but it always ends up being more or less. Who's some of yours? I'm curious to know uh, some of yours. Well, I mean, once again, Bob Dylan's a given. Um, Tom Petty's a given. Tom Waits is a given. Mm-hmm. I've been on like a real Jim Croce kick lately. Oh, he's great. Yeah. And you want to talk about somebody where they're their own thing. Yeah. And Jim Croce was his own thing. Yeah. I mean, he I don't think he particularly sounded like anybody. Uh and he had a way of writing some lyrics. Do you know his songs called One Last Set of Footsteps? Yes, I do. Yeah. He says, if that's the way you want it, then that's the way I want it more. It's like, oh <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah. Huh? It's like take, I love simple good lines take like that. that. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like the, you know, a lot of it's funny because country gets such a bad rap now, mm-hmm. but it's some of the best songwriting. Oh yeah, by far, and and it's also the stuff I gravitate towards because it's so simple. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even some of the more what I would say modern, but it's not modern anymore. It's just thirty years old. But mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of like even guys like Alan Jackson. Like if you really read his lyrics, it's like this is really well written. You yeah, know? like a lot of people don't think that because they hear Chattahoochee, but it's like <laughs> listen to a song like living on love you know living on love buying on time without somebody mm. it ain't worth a dime like that's a great line oh yeah you know yeah i mean i hear that i'm like that's perfect or like a song's like remember when it's just this seems like a cheesy love song but it's like the older you get you're like this is exactly what it's like to love someone for this long i actually think and this is just my own theory okay. like don't everybody don't blame kale for this <laughs> it's just me saying unless he happens to agree with me okay and don't get me wrong nobody has sold more records than this man but I blame Garth Brooks. Okay. <laughs> blame him for modern country as it is. Modern country. I don't think he was the first one that did it. I don't think he was the worst one that did it. But I think he's really the one that popularized the shift from outlaw to pop. I would say he's definitely up there as far as people to blame or to give credit for however you feel I about mean, it. I mean, he's doing <laughs> fine. I mean, nobody has ever sold more live tickets than him. He's made yeah. so many records. And I don't even think that if you took his actual catalog, it is pop country. But I just think somehow through him, that's when the pivot kind of happened. Yeah, well, I mean, before that in country... There were, there's always been, like, Nashville has always wanted to push a pop country thing since the sure, beginning. since the 50s. You yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, even guys like Hank Williams had a hard time. Yep. You know? Because yep. they were like, he didn't fit the mold and they right. fired him from the Grand Ole Opry and all mm-hmm. that. But um, he, what Garth Brooks really did was he brought country to people who never would have listened to country before. Yeah. And that's where the shift really happened. Yeah. Because you look in the 90s, I mean, the Garth Brooks was... I mean, his albums were up there with like R and B and pop artists. Like he was getting played happened. on non-country radio. Yeah, and that was a first, especially for how I mean, we think of it as pop country, but in <laughs> comparison to what is out now, it sounds like real country. 
Yes. I mean, it's yeah. that far removed. Yeah. That that he had songs about like the rodeo and stuff that yeah. were on like pop radio. Like that had never happened before. Right. Right. You know. So I I don't know. I I he is a great songwriter though. I'll give yeah, him that. Yeah. Even though I'm not like I don't <laughs> listen to Garth Brooks very frequently, but like Garth Brooks is one of those where you don't have to listen to Garth Brooks to know ten Garth Brooks songs. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, I was I was talking with my wife and we were talking about Bob Seeger. And mm-hmm. she's like, I don't know many Bob Seeger songs. I said, you know 20 Bob Seeger songs. <laughs> exactly. She's like, there's no way. And we went through and she's like, oh my God, I know 20 Bob Seeger songs. <laughs> he's just, he's inevitable. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can't escape him really, you know? I mean, it's even like people that, you know, like I meet younger people that, it, you know, you bring up a band that, like the Rolling Stones or something. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know anything about that. I'm like, you know, like 10 Rolling Stones. Songs. Oh, for sure. You know, you, you play them like 10. They're like, I didn't know this was them. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> Bob Seger's another one like that for sure. <laughs> I mean, Bob Seger's another one. Great songwriter. Not really my favorite music, but. Until like you'll hear like one or two songs. You'll go, oh, yeah, that that was a Bob. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, he's got some underrated hits for sure. Yeah, I, I have a love-hate relationship with the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have Where, some very controversial like, opinions. My on. wife, my wife hates the Eagles, and I get it. Like, I don't, I get why. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I was in the camp of hating the Eagles for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. and I'm still not like a big fan. In fact, the podcast I did with Rodney, we disagreed on the Eagles. Oh yeah, because he, he was in that Eagles cover group for yeah, the longest time. He loves them, and I was like, I don't get it. I don't. Well, like I'm a it. huge Joe Walsh guy. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I like his solo stuff. Oh, like, yeah, it's, James Gang stuff. and yeah. yeah, that stuff's cool, you know? And, like, I, I remember one time, one of my only, like, cover bands I played in when I was in Charleston, I had to do Hotel California, of oh. course. But I was like, I get to play the solo, you know? So oh, yeah. that's, that's my fun part of the evening. Yeah, yeah, that's... If you, if you could just chop the solo off that song and put it on a better song. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, like, when I was learning the solo, I, I hated the song. But then I like really like listened to it a million times. I was yeah. learning it and I was like, this is great songwriting. Yeah. Like yeah. It, there's no denying. Yeah. You it, know. And it's it's an example of good songwriting if you want to just go by the book. You yeah. know what I mean? If you were if you were saying this is the formula for songwriting, they they did it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll never take away from their talent. It's just, you know, it's the Garth Brooks effect for me for rock music. It's like yeah, that was yeah. when pop easy rock took off. Yeah, yeah. And I hated all that stuff. Well, I, I, but I love Jackson Brown. I do like some Jackson Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. <laughs> so he gets kind of lumped in with that group. Him and, and, and Neil Young was in there and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young were in there. But I, I, I put the Eagles on the, kind of less good i'm not gonna say bad yeah no totally <laughs> not I mean, into it as much i mean know? take it easy is hard to hate you know <laughs> that was written by jackson brown was it really <laughs> yeah oh, wow okay so well, i play why. that and that's that's my way out if somebody asked for the eagles there are two songs i can play take it easy and i i just in my mind i just go i'm playing jackson brown's version there you go. And then the Eagles covered Tom Waits. So <laughs> yeah. those are the two Eagles songs I know. They didn't write them. And with Jackson Brown, I mean, like these days, oh. I mean, what a perfect oh, song. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson Brown's one of those where I'm listening to a lot of him lately, too. There's okay. two live records he did where it's just him. Mm. It's him and an acoustic and him and a piano. And he like talks about the song. It's sort of VH1 storytellers y. Okay. Yeah. I and, like that. And I like those better than his recordings because, you know, you hear the strip down and you're like, oh, 
that's such a good song. You can see all the mechanics that he yeah, has going on there. For sure. Seeing under the hood, you know? Yeah. When you listen to music, are you a albums guy? Are you a singles guy? Make playlists? Um, I guess sort of all the above. I guess if I had to put myself into a category, I'm more of an album person. Mm -hmm. But it really depends on the artist because there's some artists that aren't album artists. True. You know, um, I'm a, I love a good album. Yeah. Like I love, yeah, that's what I did for that debut album that hasn't come out yet is every song goes into each other and mm -hmm. I did it very Pink Floyd style in that way and there's nice. a lot of psychedelic interludes and stuff. Nice. And I love that. Nobody's kind of doing that anymore. I, I know. Like that. Now you're inspiring <laughs> me to put this album out finally. Yes, it needs to come out. <laughs> yes. But um, so when it comes to stuff like that, I mean, I mean, like Pink Floyd, for example, listen to Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to pick a song. Like I'm going to. Right, right. Like today yeah. is an animals kind of day. Right. Today is a dark side kind of day. Right. You know? But, um, you know, if there's, you know, like some of these oldies I like, like if I'm listening to Elvis, I don't listen to a whole Elvis album. Right, right. <laughs> There's did no he, point. Did he make albums? <laughs> like, yeah. I guess he did. I'm but, just going to go to like, yeah. which era of Elvis do I want to hear him? I'm going to make a playlist of like 10 songs and that's sure. what I'm going to listen to. I want to sure. listen to Vegas Elvis. That's a this playlist or whatever. <laughs> that's a certain mood too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What are your favorite, if I had to say, list me some of your favorite albums, ones that throughout the years you're like, I'm in this sort of mood. Okay. Um... So Animals, Pink Floyd, for sure. Yeah. That's probably one of, that That album like changed the way I do music and mm -hmm. listen to music, for sure. I discovered that in college, hating Pink Floyd up until then, for yeah. whatever reason, and slowly got into them, and Animals just blew my mind. Um, and never mind the Bullocks, there's a Sex Pistols, for sure, is another mm -hmm. one. Um, another one that a lot of people wouldn't expect, and I posted about this, and people got very angry with me <laughs> about how much I love this album, but... Um, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. I love that album and I don't care. I will go to my grave loving it. Um, I don't think everything's aged well on it, but it's... I mean, if I had to just point to, if you said Guns N' Roses, you have to listen to some Guns N' Roses, I would just say, okay, just give me that record. Yeah. And then, and then just keep the rest. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's a few songs I like on Use Your Illusion here and there, but like <laughs> Appetite is oh, yeah. flawless in yeah. my opinion. If, if that's what mood you're in, it's flawless yeah. for what it is. I want to hear it on a cassette in a car from the 80s, blast it. Yes, it's the only way to hear it. Yeah, in an El Camino, yes. just blasting through yeah. like a, an eight track. like Windows <laughs> down. It, yeah. Without a care in the world, yes. great weather. Yes, yeah. so that's exactly, that's what that album is for. Um, so another one would probably be, let's see, um, In Utero, Nirvana. Oh yeah, one of, In Utero. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big In Utero fan. Um, I like all of their albums equally mm -hmm. for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But In Utero for me is my favorite Nirvana album because it's like they had the the money for good production, but it's still them being as weird as possible. Yeah, and that's why I like it because it takes like all of the weirdness from Bleach with good production, and yeah. they've been touring for a while, so they're really tight as a band. And then some of the pop sensibility from Nevermind and then threw it all together in this one record. Yeah. So that has been a big influential record for me, especially, I mean, just like the second song on that album is just insane. And you're like, they, they were on top of the world at this point and they're just like this big middle finger on the second song, right. you know, right. the Scentless Apprentice is the second song. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just a chaotic, like doesn't make sense song. And it's one of my favorite Nirvana songs for that reason. And that's what I want to do on a record, you know? Yeah. You come out, it's like, oh, he's this pop singer. And then it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so I yeah. love when bands do stuff like that. Um, another one would probably be, um, what's 
Sticky Fingers, Rolling Stones. Mm. That's yeah. that's a, just a great rock yeah. record. I think I'm trying to think of that's the one with like uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking is on there. Yes, Bitch is on it. Bitch is on it. Yeah, yeah. that um, is that's my favorite one. Yes, yeah, yeah. That that's a great record by them. Yeah. And it was cool because it's like their most just straight up rock and roll record. But yeah. there's also like some really cool. Um, you could tell they were listening to country. Yeah. So there's a lot of steel guitar on it. I thought, I thought because I had heard Towns Van Zant play Dead Flowers, mm-hmm. I thought he wrote that song. No, that's a Rolling Stones song. It is Towns Van. I thought it was the other way around. It blew my mind when I when I learned the right way. And yeah. that's an amazing song. Yeah, I and mean, it's just that's <laughs> Rolling Stones at their peak to me. Because um, yeah, after that, they kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I mean, there's some other good stuff on there. I love it when Mick Jagger tries to sing with an American twang. Yeah. That, it's that's somehow, the best. <laughs> and, you know, it's goofy, but somehow it works. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like, it's so inauthentic in every way, but it's It's, it's great. Mick Jagger. Nobody yeah, else can do that. For sure. Yeah. And, it, and also in that vein, I would also put, um, and I don't love everything they've ever put out, mm-hmm. but... I love Rocks by Aerosmith. Like that's okay, that yeah. was one of my definitive like yeah. getting into rock albums. Right. And like same thing like Back in the Saddle again, Wild Child, like yeah. all the, those are just flawless. I think Aerosmith kind of fell off when they realized like, oh, the ballad is what's gonna sell, you know? Well, it's the same thing with having the country is that hair metal ruined music for a long time. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, I, and I'm saying that as a person who likes some hair metal, like <laughs> yeah. I, that's some of my guilty pleasure in music. Like I will definitely put some Cinderella on uh-huh. and have a good time. But like, yeah, you know? it's always, there was just like a point in time where all of these hair metal bands and it was like right in the middle of the concert, they'd push the grand piano out and you're like, oh, here yeah. comes the ballad that sold all the records. Well, it's that, it's that <laughs> thing that, I mean, Guys, men, you've got to step up and buy more stuff because yeah. girls buy the most merchandise yeah. <laughs> and they are the ones that come out and support the band the most. Uh-huh. And they, at that time, not all women, but a lot of women, would they they weren't going to come to the Slayer show. Right. So, right. But if White Lion has a ballad that reminds them of their boyfriend or whatever, sure. they'll come out in droves. So yeah. that's how they sold records. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> Tell me a little about, about your podcast. Yeah, so the podcast, it's Headbangers Rodeo. Mm-hmm. I do it every two weeks, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> As you know, it's it can be hard to We're stay on podcast schedule. time. We do our best. Yeah, we do our best. But um, so it started off as I just randomly started posting my controversial music opinions online. <laughs> and it was like the most reception I've gotten from anything online ever. Mm-hmm. Just because people love to share their opinions. People want to argue on the internet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I found a way to do it where I was like, not being argumentative. It was more like straight factual. Yeah. And even if you don't agree with my opinion, all the dates I'm using and all the language I'm using is accurate. Yeah. So, and it was a very like controlled neutral sense. <laughs> so people will come at me firing these exclamation points and everything. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, yeah. let's, here's this why. This is I feel one like... man's opinion. Yeah. I have a reason. <laughs> yeah, very exactly. And music is a thing where you don't even have to have a reason. No, you know, sometimes you I just like things and sometimes I just don't like things. Exactly. <laughs> and so I saw the reception that was getting and a bunch of people were just really loving this thing I was doing. Mm-hmm. And they were like, it was like bringing some of the music scene together. It was like talking to people I hadn't talked to in like six months or something. Yeah. Because of COVID and all that. And so I was like, 
I would just love doing this, but I don't just want to post on Facebook all the time. Like, this is annoying. <laughs> so I was like, why don't I do this as a podcast? And I thought about doing a podcast for a long time, but I never really like had my like, what do I want to talk about thing? Yeah. And so that became the thing I was talking about is I'm like super nerdy about music and I love like mm -hmm. getting into the nitty gritty of it. And like this album came out in this year, then this happened and blah, blah. So I was like, I feel like I have a space to talk about. And I'm also a huge YouTube viewer, podcast listener. And I realized there wasn't really like a big space for like guy, like a guy who's in a rock band talking about rock and roll. Mm hmm. Like it was always kind of like, and I'm not saying this is a bad way because I love these podcasts. There's always like a lot of like real nerdy guys who like <laughs> weren't in the scene. They yeah. weren't a part of the scene and they're kind of telling you about it. And I was like, I want to be the guy who's like, I live this shit. Here it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I finally found that niche and I just kind of went with it. And it's just been fun for me. You know, like it's nice to do something where it's involved with music, but I'm not like tr just playing music. Right. You know. Awesome, man. Yeah. Um. Man, you got to put that record out you recorded. <laughs> Seriously. I will. I'll put it out. I'm excited to hear it. And then yeah. what you said, August 27th? Is that the? August 27th, Pocket Full of Bullets comes out on all streaming platforms. Awesome. Cannot wait to hear that. Thanks. Uh, the upcoming move to Nashville. Yeah. Just going to kind of go out there and what, what's the plan? So the plan or lack thereof more or less but um <laughs> that's kind of where great things happen a lot of times sure is uh so september 1st is uh, you know a couple weeks away that's when i'm going staying in airbnb for a little bit mm -hmm. and um just figuring it out but um yeah the plan is to i want to still just do my original music mm -hmm. that's my ultimate goal is to be a touring working musician on my own stuff and um, I'm just kind of going out there because it's a world surrounded by people who are all trying to do that. And I want to just have access to the best players in the world and, you know, just go and basically kind of do what I'm doing now, but taking it up a notch and trying to do that full time. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my plan. Well, best of luck with that, man. Thanks, man. Excited to see. And I'm sure you'll be talking about that in the podcast youtube channel yeah for sure um so that's the i haven't done a lot of filming yet i've been learning about filming mm -hmm. and um i feel like i'm at a pretty decent place with it so youtube is next Excellent. so i'm kind of doing headbangers rodeo is going to kind of turn into like a brand yeah so the podcast will be one part of it and then it'll also be a youtube series which will be a mix of filming all my podcasts and putting those up for everybody to see and then my bigger plan is I'm going to basically document my entire move and document like all the behind the scenes stuff of music that you don't normally get to see. So it's going to be like, if I get screwed over at a gig. You're going to see it on <laughs> YouTube, about it. you know, <laughs> and like, or the good things or the bad things or whatever. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what you got going. Best of luck with all that. Thanks, uh, man. You want to leave us with one more tune? Let's do it. What you got for us? Um, so I'm doing an untitled song, but it's new. So okay. that's the whole reason why I wanted to do it. It's something that's not recorded. And um, yeah, it's sort of a love song, mm -hmm. but um, kind of about how, you know, how relationships work when you're a gigging musician, mm -hmm. which is difficult. So um, I wrote a song about that. So, yeah. Awesome. Man. Well, thank you for stopping by. It was great catching up with you. Yeah, it's good I'm to talk. sad to see you go, but I'm at... I'm I'm excited to see what you got in the future. Of course, man. If you're out in Nashville, you know, hit me up. Will do, man. Let's hear your tune.
Let's start a fire where there wasn't one Let's burn your house down just for fun And maybe we could even go downtown Just find some money, honey, spend it around And oh, how you say it, think she likes my rock and roll Her hips are swaying, think I love a gypsy soul But even if it's just a week or two Hold up your love, I think I'd rather have that than nothing at all This fast-paced life, if you understand Feel like Alice in this wonderland And maybe we could even go downtown Just find some records, honey, spin them around But oh, how you say it, I think she likes my rock and roll Her hips are swaying, I know I love a gypsy soul Oh, how you say it, I think she likes my rock and roll And her hips are swaying, I know I love a gypsy soul But even if it's just a week or two of your love I think I'd rather have that than nothing at all I hope you enjoyed my interview with Cale Jackson as much as I did. As a reminder, his next single drops August 27th. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this podcast, the day it comes out. And I really want to do wish Cale the best of luck when his move to Nashville. 
I briefly mentioned before the interview the Edisto Blackwater Boogie. The Edisto Blackwater Boogie is a three-day music festival that will be held October 7th through 9th this year at Givens Ferry State Park in Ridgeville, South Carolina, just outside of Charleston and Somerville. Proceeds from the Edisto Blackwater Boogie go towards creating an ADA-accessible trail to help make the state park more accessible for those with disabilities. The Boogie is the largest gathering of local musicians in the Charleston area, with over 40 performances scheduled for the weekend. It's a family and pet-friendly event. With camping, bonfires, food trucks, artisan vendors, outdoor activities for kids and adults, and great music throughout the weekend, there's bound to be something for everyone. Visit edistoblackwaterboogie.com to purchase your tickets today. In addition to many of the musicians on the bill being previous and future guests of this podcast, there will also be a Songs of the Unsung stage there hosted by myself, where a lot of those musicians are going to be playing their songs and telling their stories. Be sure you stop by and say hi. I have free stickers and I have hats that you can buy. And I'm going to shoot some video. Hope to see you there. Thanks a lot.